Hello and welcome to the Legends of Loam. I am your game master and host, Jonathan Banner. This is our second bonus episode. This is the Session Zero for Barnabas, played by Matt. This was supposed to be our first episode, but due to some technical issues, we decided to skip the editing on it for the moment and start off the podcast with the Champions Trial. We've gotten it to a point where we think it's listenable, and there's a few story elements in it that you should know before we move terribly far ahead. We plan for the next two bonus episodes to be Willa's and Maud's Session Zeros. One thing to know, during these Session Zeros, our main characters got a free nat 20 that they could use at any point during the session to auto-succeed any d20 roll, be it an attack or a saving throw or a skill check. We don't really go over it in this episode, but it's something you should know as you listen to this, because we do talk about it, and if you don't know what we're talking about, it gets very confusing. So, with that kind of confusing intro out of the way, uh, let's get into it. So, our story starts as the credits roll, the opening credits, because yes, our movie that would have opening credits. Camera is going past vast uh, landscapes of all different sizes. Mountains and deserts and lakes that are the size of oceans. Cities of all shapes and sizes. People of every demographic you can think of. Gnomes, elves, dwarves, dragonborn. And exotic races like minotaurs. And half-devil, half-angel beings. Um, This is the world of Loam. Our first story starts. The camera zooms over a well-worn path, and it comes up to a wagon just as it reaches uh, a small village. It's decent size. There's smoke rising from what must be a blacksmith. There's stores but it cannot be more than 200 people living in this town at any given time. The wagon is emblazoned with the sigil of the deity of civilization, Milia. We see a few people walking besides the horses. We see a young, lean, white dragonborn walking around, carrying the holy symbol of Milia. We see... A human, not walking, but perched on the edge of the wagon, keeping an eye out, keeping a watchful eye for any dangers that may come this way. And walking right beside the horses at the front of the line is a large, bulking minotaur. As you guys approach the village, a voice calls out from the wagon. Are we nearly there? Oh, I can see the smoke from the blacksmith now. We're almost there. Good, good. An older woman pops her head out from the wagon. Uh, it is a older human lady. She has the vestments of a high priestess of Nilia. She is obviously worth the amount of security that is riding along with her, and also the dignity of not having, of being able to ride in such a carriage wagon. Whatever it is. <laughs> anyway, okay. There's your opening scene. Uh, you guys are approaching the village. It's a small village. It's up to the northern. It is this one right here. Night Perry. It's been a good week journey to get there. It's been a very easy journey. There has been literally no trouble whatsoever on the ride up there. Partially because people think it is not necessarily bad luck, but in poor taste to rob from clerics and priests and paladins. Because they don't want to anger the wrong deity. So, the night before, you all had made camp. And she finally informed you of what the mission was. So you're all sitting around a campfire. She pulls out a small box from the back of the wagon, and she starts telling you about why you guys are headed to the city. So this is a flashback to the night before? Yes, she's just about to tell you everything. Okay. 
So the lady kind of reminds me of like uh, Paula Deen. <laughs> Maybe with a little less butter. Um, Joel, your character, uh, you are playing an old friend of Barnabas. What up, fan? You both grew up in the Church of Milia. Um, they kind of, as the Church of Civilization, they also run the orphanages, okay. more or less. So you're playing Phineas, what, Dragonborn? You guys were raised at the same time. You, Matt, and a few other people were basically hung out as a group more often than not. You are a paladin. I've given you different stats, but you are a, you are an equal what rank of paladin as Barnabas. Just worse at it. A little bit, <laughs> but you make up for it with your um, competence. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, you are kind of mischievous, but highly sociable. So you guys are sitting around the campfire that night. You've made camp. You have had dinner. Everything has been cleaned up. All that is left is to decide who will do watches, and for this information she's about to tell you. She pulls out this box, and she pulls it onto her lap. It's about the size of a briefcase, but solid oak, and like there's no handle on it. It's meant to be held flat, as opposed to like turned on its side and carried. She opens it up, and inside there is at least two dozen pendant necklaces in it. Each one, it might be silver, it might be some other metal, but it's, it's a silverish metal, and inside each one of them is a small, dark orb that sparkles in the firelight. Yeah. Um, would anyone like to do a check to see if they know anything about this? So would that be Arcana check? Possibly. I mean, it can be any kind of check. Could be a history check. As the scout, Heather, if you wanted to try to argue it was a stealth check that you saw these earlier, I would let that happen. <laughs> it's kind of up to you guys. And you don't have to do a check. I can just keep talking. Yeah. Um, since, you know, the our main Paula Dean lady has the um, box, I would assume it, has some it could have some religious significance. Could I do a religion check in any type of inscription? Sure. Or just anything adorning it? Okay. So I'm going to roll religion. Uh, 18. Nice. Any bonus? Uh, I added my bonus. So it's a 16 plus 2. It seems like a plain wooden box, but there is a very slight engraving of the symbol of Milia. When you open it up, it's the white and gold colors of Milia. Looking at these individual pendants, you can tell that these were not crafted by anyone from your order, but were crafted by someone from the Temple of Artists, the God of Crafting and Inventions. You're not sure of the individual artist itself, but you can tell this was something that was expertly crafted. You do not know what the black material in it is, though. I look to, um, have we mentioned her name yet? The High Priestess Lady? Uh, Miriam. I look up to Miriam and I say, My lady, this is a curious uh, material that fills the center of these pieces. Uh, what's it made of? These are silver void metal necklaces. Now, with that 18, and just having grown up in the church, you would all know void metal basically negates any magic that's try to be pushed into it, or if it's touching someone's skin or someone's wearing a pendant like this, they would be unaffected by any sort of magic at all. It took great costs to have these pendants made, but it is for a very good cause. The village we are currently headed to, the village of Nightberry, is currently besieged by what can only be assumed to to be a plague of werewolves. Werewolves. And this part of the area, are they normally found here? I'm not terribly familiar with my werewolf knowledge around here. Are you? Roll me history check, sure. 
Well, apparently I've heard all the way out. Werewolves in these parts. <laughs> then I'm going to say no, there normally are not werewolves in this area. Yes, um, they have not... It seems to be something that is just popping up and not something... People are not being bitten, but yet they are still turning into werewolves. It's terrible. Yes, we fear it may be... Maybe someone has found some sinister way of infecting someone else with this virus, with this, with this curse. These pendants, if worn by someone affected by the curse, it will hurt them briefly, but the, because of the silver, the silver will hurt them briefly, but the void stone will negate the curse of lycanthropy on them. Just out of character, I'd like to say, I really want to see a werewolf minotaur, because that'd be pretty badass. <laughs> but in character, I clutch my holy symbol tightly, and I kind of shiver it in a slight bit of trepidation. You three were chosen to, to join me on this mission. We must do some investigation about why this calamity is happening, but we are mostly here to distribute these pendants. We should be able to distribute them to everyone who is affected. We are hoping that we will not have to make enough pendants for everyone in this village. So we are hoping we can stop this from spreading and can fix this as soon as possible. Would you guys have any questions for her at that point in time? Otherwise, we're going to jump back to the present day of you guys entering the village. I do have a bit of a meta question. Is the, the werewolves in this world, they follow like typical turn into a beast at full moon type of werewolf? Roll me a nature check. <laughs> Or Archon, because it is a curse. Well, apparently. <laughs> apparently, I know a lot of other wolves. Why don't you tell us? <laughs> Eleven. Do you have no nature? Nope. Okay. As far as you guys know, werewolves turn on a full moon. And by that, I mean there's actually like a five-day period leading up to the full moon, and then a couple days after, where they can willingly turn, but the night of the full moon, they cannot help. Other than that, they can't turn willingly all the way. They can grow claws, they can grow kind of like, they kind of, so in D&D there's the the hybrid half-man, half-wolf form. They can assume that at any point, but they can't go full wolf until the full moon. They are affected, affected by silver at all times, even when they're completely human form. So one of the reasons why these pendants have silver, like made out of silver and everything, is so that they can also use it as a detection method and make sure that they're not just giving it to someone who's scared it might happen. It's for people who are actually affected. Um, So overall, you guys have six dozen of these, which should be plenty. Last she had heard, there was about 45 people infected. So roughly like 20% of the town, 20, 15, 20% of the town was affected. Fortunately, there was not another full moon for an, uh, another full week. So we've got some time. You've got some time, but obviously the quicker, the better. Do they have to wear these pendants permanently afterwards? Unless they can figure out a way to reverse the curse of the werewolfism. Or lycanthropy, <laughs> as it is actually called, and not werewolfism. <laughs> um, then, then they could take it off. Okay. Or if they have enough self-control, they would not have to wear it until the full moon. Basically, more blocking the effects of it rather than removing. Yes. Okay. Yes. If they wear it permanently, it will only hurt the first time they put it on. That makes sense. Otherwise. Every time they would put it on, it's going to burn their skin. And after it burns their skin, the curse is not going to help them heal it back. So it's going to hurt them, and then it'll take a while for it to heal. Um, Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it's the next day. You are pulling into the village. They've taken your carriage wagon to the only inn of this town, but it is a decent-sized inn. I highly doubt we'll ever come back to this town. Fair enough. Maybe. Who knows? I wonder. 
depends on if we need to become a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know where we can be werewolf, you guys. <laughs> the other effect of the pendants is it will keep them from accidentally passing on the curse. Okay. It's basically it just negates the curse like it's not even there as long as they wear the pendant. So your wagon is taken to the local inn, the horses are taken care of for you. I need two people to carry the there are two boxes, each with three dozen. Two people carry it, and Miriam is going to go and talk to the mayor of the town. I can help well. Should I go and uh, escort her, since I have the hired muscle? Yeah, we can both carry the boxes. Okay. So you guys head over to... Actually, you probably meet him there at the inn. He's not really so much the mayor as just like the elder of the village. The... There's no official office or anything like that. This is not Kingsland. There's not a ton of paperwork. This is a naturally grown village. So you are all at the end. The mayor has a small list that he gives to Miriam of the names that he knows. There are a few farms on the outskirt of town that have a few people in it that you will just need to go and test. But then he pulls Miriam into a small back room and leaving you guys and when we're passing these um, these things out, is it going to be like in a central hub, or are we kind of going out to everyone? As far as you know, the people who are located here in town will come to you, unless for some reason they don't, and then you might have to go find them. And like I said, there are a few farms on the outreaches that they weren't 100% sure when you guys were going to be here, mm-hmm. so they didn't know to come to town that day. And even mm-hmm. if a runner goes and gets them, there's no guarantee that they will make it there this day. Mm-hmm. I feel like Barnabas has been walking for a while because he's a big minotaur dude. He couldn't really fit in the wagon. Gonna rest my hooves, as it were, by the fire and um, kind of hang out with Phineas. And I don't think we named uh, Heather's character. No, we didn't. Hello, Plot Ranger. <laughs> uh, hang on, I can give you a name super fast. Plot Ranger. I watched that show. Uh, this guy's a great plot. Daria Eggerley. Eggerley. I like. <laughs> so I hang out with uh, Phineas and Daria by the fire. I wonder what they're talking about in there. Uh, I I'm just hoping that this doesn't... Uh, doesn't have too many issues along with this. And if it does, we'll deal with it. Our only job here is to help the people of our civilization. Of course, of course. But certainly involving werewolves, I prefer to not have any more complications than necessary. But these poor people, they need help. Well, yeah, that's why we're here. I kind of look off to the side and thinking about, I wonder what Phineas would look like as a werewolf. Everyone roll me a... You can do either insight or perception. Do a wisdom check if you don't have either of them. Cool. We'll do insight since I have plus two. Nice. 19. 15, I think? Feeling thoroughly I have plus two wisdom, but a 10 past perception, so... Okay. That's yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, but... This I... is why people don't <laughs> normally use monster stats yep. for... Okay, what did you get? I'm going to hope that they carry it, because okay. I got a sweet perception of eight. Oh, nice. You're just For the ranger. With the ranger. Yeah. You're doing like that Aragorn thing where you're staring intently into the fire and remembering <laughs> things. And maybe you've actually fought a werewolf before or something. You two notice that your group um, are getting some sidelong glances from a few people at the bar. I doubt these people have seen a dragonborn, much less a minotaur, very often. Especially not together. They'll be telling this story to their kids for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's probably not something that we necessarily, especially Barnabas and I, would probably not necessarily pay that much attention to. And we've been dealing with it since we were kids. Part of my backstory is we kind of all hung out because we weren't like classical humanoid races. <laughs> for the for the record, you guys are of equal rarity. That makes you feel special. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Oh, and you said just like pure pure wisdom, not insight. Because I was oh, either. 
It's, it is not a saving throw. Okay. If you did not have, because they're using monster stats instead of having done a full character sheet out for them, they don't include a stat for every single skill. Okay. It only shows what skills they're either really good at or really bad at. <laughs> and if they didn't have either of those, it's just a wisdom check. Okay. So my 19 still stands. Yes. I'm going to say that Barnabas, you... Was it insight or perception? It was insight that they used. Okay. These people are not... They're more angry than afraid, if that makes sense. You're used to people seeing you and being afraid, like, who, which God did you upset to have this curse thrown upon you kind of thing, <laughs> whereas these people, you get that animosity against your group, mm-hmm. not against just you two. Okay. Um, so it's against the humans as well. Sorry, Derry, you're not safe either. Sorry, what? <laughs> really? And I kind of, I like turn to them both, and I kind of point out the daggers were getting shot at us. Blatantly point out? No, just kind of like okay. You don't just go. You don't just turn around and point at them and say, "See those guys?" <laughs> I don't think they like us. <laughs> They're giving us mean looks. <laughs> That's interesting and kind of creepy. Well, the church can't be everywhere at once, so naturally some places might feel a little left out when we do help. So, we just have to bear with it, I suppose. Miriam comes out, and she has a list of names. She looks worried, but in a way that unless you guys had been traveling with her and seen her day after day after day, you would not notice. I, I believe best course of action is for the three of you to take a box and go out and see some of the people in the farther extremes or the people who are less likely to come here to the tavern. Um, And I will stay here. The elder is going to go around and tell people to come here to get their pendants, but there are a few people who are less likely to um, come that he thinks we will need to go to. And again, because we are dealing with werewolves, it is not a good idea for you guys to split up. And I bow to her and um, have my holy symbol, and I say, yes, my lady. And do we have a, we have like a basic map of the area where we're supposed to go? Yeah. Okay. It's very basic. You should be able to find it. Yeah. So you're all going to leave her alone there at the town. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure that's a good idea. Well, she thinks it's the best idea. I, I do want to raise concern about that. I am not a helpless girl. I'm not some helpless old lady. I can defend myself. While I do appreciate um, and did insist on having you as an escort here, I do not need to be babysit. Babysit. I do not need a babysitter <laughs> to watch over me. I kind of just premise a little. Mm. Well, if, you, if you're telling us to, I guess we have so you guys have a list of three places to go. There is a small farm to the north. There is the butcher here in town. He is kind of on the outskirts of town. Uh, and the third place is actually the local priest. How long should it take us to get to the farm outside of town? Roughly an, an hour's walk. So we should do that one and just kind of like to get the other two all coming back. Okay. Miriam hands you a, a pouch that has eight necklaces in it. She tells you that the butcher's son is infected, the, the priest is infected, and there's a family of four on the farm that they do not know who is infected there. And then there's two more in case you run into something unexpected. I mean, you guys brought six dozen. There's not exactly six dozen people mm-hmm. sick. So, there's a little bit of leeway there. Yeah. Cool. Cool. As we get dressed back up and um, we make to the, the farthest point. Okay. Okay. Alright. 
I need a survival check to make sense of this map enough to get out of town. Ranger! Oh, uh, 18. Oh. I'll just get in that 20. There you go. Let do. You're still sleepy from the fire. My dad lied to me. It said it was going to be good this evening. Okay. While headed out of town, you guys make it to the outskirts of town and start your way down. It is a cart track, but it is a cart track to go to farms and homesteads as opposed to going to another city. So it is less... Let me double check that. Yes. Sorry. The big map has all the roads on it. The smaller map doesn't have all the roads on it. But it looks pretty. Kind of. Depending on what you define pretty as. <laughs> the little one's in color. We'll leave it at that. So, the... You guys are headed up this small cart path. Um, cart path. And because of some storms and the snow, which you guys saw on your way up here, it is actually laid very thinly, but still laid on the ground up here, that the ranger is not used to this kind of terrain. It's, you have not been in a snowy forest, snowy biome at all. You mainly have stuck to the south um, and the tropics of this world, which saw a forest and whatnot. It's just generally don't have snow. And you get turned around, and you're about to walk just completely in the wrong direction when Phineas just kind of kicks some of the snow aside. Being a white dragon, you are not affected by the cold at all. I mean, you are resistant to cold, technically. This is true. Like, you're probably there, like, you're probably there in, like, a tank top or something. <laughs> yeah, um, just the Halloween tank top. Yeah, you know. Like, the fact that you've got metal armor on, which is probably freezing, is not affecting you at all. Yeah. It actually might feel better than what you were used to further south. Mm. So, you quickly point out that the way she's about to go down is just a deer path, and not large enough for a cart to fit down. Um, it may be a walking path of some kind, but definitely not the road that you are supposed to stay on. There is a very low-hanging branch that must have fallen at some point soon and has kind of obstructed the way to go, but you are easily lifted aside um, or duck under it is probably honestly what you do as you duck under it and continue on your way. Cool. And eventually you get to this farm. It's a 10-acre farm, which is not huge, but would be plenty to supply this town with most of the vegetables that it would Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> or they mostly supply it for themselves. Yeah. You also notice this: the house itself is almost on... It's not on the beach, but it's a good 200 yards, yards away from the ocean. Um, and you notice some ships pulled up there, certainly used for fishing. They're not large enough for any main traveler or whatnot, but they are large enough to go out and survive the, the waves of the ocean but not enough to go any distance outside of side of land. Yeah, you guys approach a house. No one is really there to greet you. You don't see anyone in the fields. It is still, I mean, it's the end of winter. The fields have been plowed, but it doesn't look like anything has been planted yet. There are some, there are a few head of cattle that are probably milking cows, and there is, you hear the sounds of chicken from a hen house, but there's not really any in the yard. Probably a little too cold. Yeah. Well, I suppose we should go knock on the door. And I, uh, I walk up with them in tow, I, I hope. <laughs> and I kind of like stop myself and say, Oh, Daria, maybe you should be the one to greet them. Because... That's probably not a bad idea. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> and... Older man opens the door. At first, just like more or less a crack to see who it is, and then when they see that, I mean, you guys are in armor. I mean, you're in plate. Uh, chain. Chain. You're in chain. I don't know what yours says. I don't think I'm wearing armor. I have an armor class of ten. <laughs> Maybe you're not. Maybe that's you know. I just I'm just wearing the tank top. Yeah, that's all I've got. It's it's a tabard. <laughs> of the symbol of Amelia, and that's it. 
Um, and pants, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. But it's obviously that you are priests or clerics or some clergy members of some kind. That or you stole their clothes. <laughs> he opens it enough to get a look at all three of you. His eyes do linger on the Dragonborn and the Minotaur, but they settle on you because you were in front. Yeah? Greetings. We come in peace um, from the priesthood of Melia to bring you help with your werewolf problem? Oh, yeah. And he'll open the door and um, you see inside the rest of the family, there's a mother and three children. There's like a 14-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an infant, and the mother. All three of them, but the mom's holding the infant, and the father, too, when he opens the door and takes a step back, you hear the rattle of chains, and they're all have put like a manacle on their foot, and it's connected to one of the beams, like the main supporting beam of this house. Slightly horrified. Yeah, a little bit. He sees the look on your faces. Oh, we just, we didn't want to hurt anyone if it happened. How, how, how are you, how can you guys help? I pull out the, you know, the pouch that has the, the um, necklaces. I show it to him and I explain, Our Lady Miriam has given us these special um, necklaces which will negate the effect of the curse so long as you're wearing them. And you'll be able to go about your daily lives. He'll reach out to touch one of them and flinch back because they are silver and it will hurt him. Um, he's like, ah! Oh. Yeah, there's that effect. It, it will hurt it's, a little bit. No, I gotta, I gotta hurt it a little bit to actually get rid of the problem. It's temporary, promise. He'll, he'll look back at his family. He'll take one um, and hold it in his hand while you hear kind of the sizzling of the silver on his skin. Um, and after about a minute and a half, it stops. Um, and he looks at it. His hand hurts because... He now has basically second-degree burns on his hand, but the silver itself is no longer hurting, and he'll put it on, and then he'll hold out his hands for the other ones and then go and put them on his children and his wife. He has a fifth one, as long as you guys gave them, one for each of them, um, that he goes to put on the child, but the child is, does not get burned by the silver. We're supposed to like keep whatever ones aren't needed I just kind of like, it's kind of awkward, and I go up to him and go, thank you guys so much. Um, sir, your infant doesn't appear to be affected by the curse, so we're going to need the pendant. We've only been allowed to give out the pen, all the necklaces to those who are affected by the curse. Wrong persuasion. Or something to convince him. Okay, I do have a plus two on persuasion. There you go. I'm, I think I want to write loud is animal handling to persuasion. So I rolled an 18 on that persuasion. You say that to him, and he looks at you with the eyes of a worried father, that there is no other way to describe those eyes. The eyes of someone who is frightened or someone else's life. He he slowly he holds out the necklace to you. I'm having a moral dilemma here. Because on one hand, she told us not to give them out unless they were already infected. But our church literally has the god of family, and this dude is trying to protect his family. So um I see him, I'm like I'm feeling feelings here about this, and I sigh. And I give it back to him. And I say, we'll just say that the child started showing symptoms. And I um, turn away and I, uh, you know, look at the other two and kind of give them both a knowing look, nod, and if there's nothing else that we can help you with, then we'll be on our way. Thank you. Okay. Whew. Can you guys leave? You have three pendants left. Three pendants. Four. Theoretically, only two more people. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Theoretically. That math sounds right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So you guys are walking 
back into town. You walk back into town, and there's not many, but but you do see the occasional person wearing one of the pendants now. You also see that around like their necks, there's kind of a reddish line. A lot of people are kind of like rubbing it and whatnot. There's a few people with like bandages wrapped around their hands and that sort of thing. Um, from where they obviously grabbed it to put it on and it burnt them. You guys make your way to town and head towards the butcher shop. You get in there and it smells like raw meat. Mm. It's decently cool in here. There is a... You're not sure if it's a if it's a stream that they've kind of diverted or if it's melted snow that's run off and is being directed into the town and into at least beside this building enough to keep it cool. The water is fairly frigid, so it does a very good job of that. Uh, you see the butcher there. He's working on um, some carcass. You think it is perhaps a deer. You can do a check if you wanted to, or you can just... Is the deer essential to the plot? <laughs> um, everything is essential to the plot. Plot deer. <laughs> I'm okay with not knowing if the deer is a deer. <laughs> he sees you guys walk in. He's like, oh, is this a... You guys, uh, you guys got that necklace thing for my son? We do, in fact, have the necklace thing for your son. Yes. Got it. He yells up to... There's obviously some living quarters above kind of thing. Fairly meager, but enough to at least get by. A young boy of about, let's say 12, uh, comes down and um, you can see some large scratch marks on him that look a little bit like claw marks, but um, that's about it. He, he sees that, he looks at his dad and his dad kind of waves him over to you guys and he's still butchering that carcass. Could I do a medicine check to see if those scratches were self-inflicted or not? Go for it. Okay. Now one. You are relatively certain that those scratch marks are from a deer. <laughs> so the deer was important. <laughs> uh, here we go. Sure. It's actually one of the few skills I have. Really? Yeah. Hey! Uh, 14. 14. You think that those are probably either scratches from like a dog or perhaps a wolf. It's kind of expected. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, I, I pull out one of the necklaces and I kind of stoop down because I'm, mentors are pretty tall. Yeah. And you're hulking over the sky and his eyes, his 12 year old's <laughs> eyes are as big as saucers. They're like, hey there, buddy. How are you doing? Um, um, yeah. <laughs> What's your name? I look at him. I try to be as non-threatening as I possibly can. As non-threatening as the how like seven foot tall minotaur? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure on my knee I'm still like huge. A, a head or so higher than him. But my my name is Kale. Mm, Kale, you're pretty bitter. <laughs> With a C. <laughs> what happened to you, buddy, and I got something for that's going to make it all stop, okay? Oh, oh, okay. And I pull out the, the necklace and I show it to him. And I've dealt with kids before, you know, working in the church. And mm-hmm. It always, like, helps to explain what's going on before the thing happens. And I tell him about the metal and how it's, um, you know, what it does. But then I explain there's going to be a, a bit of a burn, but afterwards it won't burn anymore. And I ask him, do you want me to put it on you, or do you want to put it on you? He'll reach out a hand for it. Okay, I give it to him. As soon as his hand touches it and it starts to sizzling, he lets go and it falls to the ground. Ow. Yeah, that's the rough part with that. Yeah. Once it's over, then it'd be a lot better off. Do you think it might be a little less frightening if his dad put it on him? I, I look over at him, I hand the necklace, like, do you want to try? Uh, sure. Come here, come here, Carol. He takes the necklace from you. And reaches over and puts it around his son. Perception. Chess. 1912. He does not react, but as soon as he touches the necklace, you hear a faint sizzle. Sir, can I see your hand and look at him? Not like accusatory, but just like mm-hmm. I try to do a tone of curiosity. His hand, he 
shows you his hands. There's no obvious wounds on them, but they are currently stained red from butchering a deer, in quotation marks. I'm starting to think we should look at that deer later. <laughs> but there's no visible wound on his hand. And he put the necklace around the kid, Darby, mm-hmm. so we have two now. I take the other one. I'm going to say, sir, can I see your arm, please? Sure. I just take it and I hold it on his arm, like the silver part touching right mm-hmm. there. I get a good look at him while I'm doing that. Uh, nothing. Nothing? And I just hold it a little bit longer, so if there is anything that will show up once I take the uh, necklace off, I just rip it off like that. And there's nothing on his arm. <laughs> I guess I'm satisfied for now. Joel, what did you roll on that perception? I rolled a 12. Okay. You, you might have heard this as well. Probably. I probably know what Barnabas is trying to do with that. Right. But I probably yeah. Yeah. I mean, Especially when he clamps it down on yeah, his yeah, arm. It's, it's, it's either obvious. that or it's a really awkward situation that he's trying to have happen. Before we leave, I'm going to take a slightly closer look at that deer. Okay. Just because that's aroused my curiosity. That's a 17. Um, Survival or... Survival will work. Okay. Yes, that is a deer. Okay. Pretty sure it was female. Okay. Doe a deer a female deer? Yes. I'm satisfied. I walk over to the deer, and um, I still have, like, the necklace kind of wrapped around me, and I'm patting it down. This is a fine (laughs) slice of meat you've got here. He looks at you very strangely. See, I too, sir, enjoy meat. Getting your hands all bloody? Uh, there's a slight sizzle. Those of you just listening to this, I'm locking eyes with the dead in a very <laughs> suspicious way. And I'm just making faces at him. <laughs> sir, where'd you get this meat from? Uh, one of the local hunters brought it in. Can I roll insight on that? Sure. While you're doing that, I'm gonna uh, say, do you, do you happen to know the name of the hunter and where we could possibly find him? Uh, yeah, hang on. He wipes his hand and uh, goes over to a cabinet and pulls out a very well-worn, leather-bound book. Inside of it, you guys can see very fine, neat rows of notes and whatnot. It's much like a, a like a merchant's ledger. He's looking over it. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, Rowan bought that, brought that in. Rowan, huh? Yeah. And, um, how much can I uh, perceive from the guy with a 15 insight? Uh, he is telling the truth. Okay. I'm satisfied. I will look at him again, kind of like wipe my hands on my, my pants. Maybe not sell any more of this particular slab of meat. Until we talk to you again, sir. I'll make it soon, because I've got orders i got to fill. Yeah, just don't. Just don't. Be as quick as we can. Thank you. Alright, so I guess we, uh... Walk out to the next one? You guys, this just keeps getting curiouser and curiouser. Extremely so. So, thinking that deer may have been some of the werewolves? Well, it was... It was you saw it. It was definitely a deer, right? Yes. Area. Yeah. Maybe somehow the the floor and the fauna around here was tainted somehow. Mm. Anyway, we should go see the the priest in town and then report this back to Miriam. Definitely. Can I go ahead and roll a nature or history check to know if like animals, like non sentient animals, I guess, would be infected by lycanthropy like, off? Very much, or um, affected by the curse? Yes, you can roll. Okay, which would be, I mean, it's the same. So. Uh, ah, no, on the table. No. I guess I didn't say that, but um, it, all dice rolls Maybe. must be on the table for okay. them to count. I mean, I usually yeah. try and keep it anyway, but. Uh, three. There is no way that is possible. Hmm. Only humanoid life forms can become lycanthropes. Mm-hmm. And even then, you're pretty sure that Dragonborn can't become a oh. lycanthrope of any kind. It's good for me, at least. Unless it's a dragon lycanthrope. 
but, but yeah, then it just gets tricky. Because <laughs> what's your hybrid form between being a dragonborn and, and being a dragon? Literally a dude cut down the middle, one side lizard, one side human. Anyway, that's what you think. Okay. So as we're walking, I guess, because we're, I guess, moving our way to the priest. Yep. We're kind of just, like, pondering that sort of thing. You know, I don't think a deer could be afflicted with that sort of thing. Could they be a... Would they have, like, the term carrier since they don't really have the term virus? A vessel mm. for the curse? Yeah. Do you think they could be like a vessel for the curse and the catalyst would be ingesting the meat of it? Maybe. As far as I know, there's no way a non-humanoid sort of thing could even become a werewolf. Really? I'm not sure I buy that. I'm going to do a nature check also. 18. Okay. No, you've heard stories of different creatures getting different forms of lycanthropy. It's just how it affects some species is different. Basically, the more magical the creature, the less likely it is to actually have any impact on them physically. But they could still carry the curse. Okay. Hmm. I will pass this on. I disagree. So it looks like you and I were mostly right, and by you, Phineas, were mostly wrong. To be fair, it's not his specialty area. <laughs> I only usually deal with, you know, more about how to fight them and stuff. I would usually have to figure out how they spread or anything like that. We could speculate all we want, but let's head on to our hopefully final task. I have a feeling it's not going to be. <laughs> Alrighty. So in this town, there is a... It is a decent-sized temple. It's about the size of just uh, one of the single houses. Inside, there is a main altar to Sylvestris, which is the, the god of the wilderness, the god of the wild. But the rest of the deities kind of line the, the walls. And then on either side of the door that you walked into, you have a, an altar. On one side, you have an altar to Sol Tempris, the god of the sun, the god of time. And on the other side of the door, you have um, the altar to Decatur, the god of travel and space. You walk into the, this temple. It's fairly empty and does not look like it has been used much. There is a hunched-over figure at the very front. He has the vestments and the robes of a priest. It's not nearly as fine as yours because he is in a backwoods town. But it's still recognizable. He still has a symbol um, on him for Sylvestris. And you can tell that he is actively praying as you guys have walked in. So I get a little closer and I say, my apologies, brother, to interrupting your prayers, but we've heard you require aid from us. He does not look up. I put my arm on his shoulder and I lightly tap him. Because he might just be, like, so in the zone. Give me a perception check. Okay. If you guys are getting close as well, you can also... Okay. 14. 7. 22. Nice. 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 You notice... You can tell he's clutching something, and you're pretty sure it's a holy symbol. Okay. Um, uh, for Sylvester's. You notice a very thin dripping of blood coming off of that from his hands, where he's clasped it. Your best bet is he has grabbed hold of this thing and held it so tightly that it has started cutting into his skin. Sir, are you all right? He he briefly looks up at Barnabas and then looks up at Daria, and you can just tell that his eyes are bloodshot and that he is terrified of this curse. Well, he's terrified of something. You're assuming it's this curse. Because it makes sense. It makes sense. I feel like I'm going to be doing like, a lot of kneeling in this game. <laughs> I, I kneel again. And, uh, like, brother, you have no need to fear anymore. And I pull out the necklace. And um, with this, we can keep the curse at bay. We won't have to fear any longer. Roll me persuasion. Okay. 21. Yeah. Nice. He, he lets go of his holy symbol... And you notice the blood on it. And 
he grasps your hands and it. He lets out a small shriek when the silver touches his skin and he starts and it starts burning. But as that fades, he he kind of pulls one hand away and looks at it and sees the red markings of the outline of the pendant on his hand and goes back to clutching it. He says, thank you. Thank you. And I put an arm on his shoulder and I give him a nod. And um, I, I pull out a list of names and I ask him, uh, Brother, are there any other people besides this list of names that you know could be effect- infected? There's a few maybes that are kind of like tacked on on the end. Like, oh, this person's dating this person, so maybe that kind of thing, that he confirms two of them. He looks completely exhausted. I help you to the to your living quarters, brother, so you can get some sleep. You obviously need some rest. Yes, um, I, I have a small cot in the in the back. Just just take me there. I just nod at you too. Like I'll I'll be right back in a little bit. I walk him back to his uh, living quarters. He has like a small office, and then through a door in there, there's a small living area. Right. It's very meager, but and I set him down, and I lay, I pull out his hands, and they like his hands that he'd severely. Mm-hmm. You know, messed up, and I want to do lay on hands on his hands. I guess I'm holding his hands. <laughs> you know, when I expend about two hit points, and then like patch him up a little. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It patches him up enough that the bleeding stops, and even the red welts from the pendant. The worst is gone, but it's still they're still going to be sore. They're still going to hurt, but it's enough relief for him to get a good night's sleep. Rest well, brother. You have a congregation that needs you. And I go and turn to leave. You help him lay down, and before you even walk out the door, he's starting to snore. <laughs> he is completely exhausted. Get back to to my friends, and uh, like, yeah, homeboy sleeping soundly. And uh, I feel like before we do anything with the names he gave us, we should go talk to Lady Miriam. Yes, I mean, we've covered what we were assigned to do, so we should probably see what goes from there. We have one pendant left. We do. Okay. It's well into sunset, but still plenty of light to see to get back to the inn. You do not see Miriam when you walk in the door, but the innkeeper tells you that she's already gone to, to rest. We should probably at least check in anyhow mm-hmm. and let her know that we're back. The innkeeper tells you if he will get some food ready for you guys. If you want to go set down your stuff in your rooms, and then come back down for dinner. Okay. Do you all barge into the room real fast, and... I think we should have Azaria knock. I'll go on in quietly and let her know that we're back, and see if she's ready to have our group report. She tells me yes. She's been sitting, um, writing in a journal or a notebook of some kind at a small desk there in the room, and she just turns her chair slightly so that she can see you guys, as opposed to facing a wall, <laughs> and tells you to, to bring the boys in. Okay, I'll open the door and gesture them in. How, how did it go? We, we reached out to everyone that, um, that you told us to. We found a potential lead on some people that may be infected, but we also came across something rather curious. Mm, yes. Proceed to tell her about what we saw at the butcher with the, the deer, and how the carcass was reacting to the the silver. Interesting. I've never come across that in my travels. Though how often do you meet a werewolf? I don't know what to say or if this changes anything. We certainly do not have enough pendants for the entire town. Tomorrow go back to the butcher. Explain what has happened. And she'll she'll pull out a pendant and She'll hand it over to, um, who's the higher strength? I have 16. I have 10. Okay. She'll hand it to Barnabas and say, uh, carefully bend those tines back in so we can get the void metal out. There's no sense in him having it, but the, but the silver would be useful for him. Okay. You have plenty of strength to do this. I need a dexterity set, uh, check. Hmm? Or either sleight of hand. Actually, you know, sleight of hand. With my wonderful minus one in that. <laughs> if you're just trying to get a 14. I got a two. Okay. There is a um, 
You know how sometimes when you're taking something apart <laughs> and it just goes pink and shoots off in some direction yep. and you have no idea where it went? Yep. She looks disappointed. <laughs> but I guess I guess that will have to do. I was able to hand out the majority of the pendants. The few final people should be showing up first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, take the pendant to him, explain the situation, and leave the silver with him. Um, so he can test the metal, or test the meat. I will inform the elders, and they can go about uh, letting the rest of the people know. Is there anything else you need to tell us before we depart? We will leave tomorrow right after lunch. Before I, before I head out, I kind of feel like a little bit of guilt twinging at me about the, the necklace from earlier. Like, I'm a, I'm a super righteous cow, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I look to her, and I, I kind of look down at like a kind of a sad, guilty, like, the, you came home and you saw the dog just tore up the garbage. That's the kind of, like, look that I would have is, like, how the dog would... And I, she does not notice. She is <laughs> looking around, like, she's still seated, but she's kind of looking uh, around the room. Yes. All right, boys, let's go get supper. Sounds great. Uh, man, I hope I can eat with all that guilt inside my stomach. <laughs> Losing the voice down. Fine. I guess I'll cave into peer pressure and not <laughs> and not say I did something bad. Or did you do something good? Well, but what never know. Alright, you guys head downstairs to to grab some food. Miriam was gonna take food up in the room and but she asked if you could if you would mind eating somewhere else so she could uh, finish her writing. Absolutely. The food's on the house, you guys don't have to pay. They bring you out. They bring you out some mead. It's not the strongest or the greatest stuff, but it is free. The first class, anyway. Um, And they bring you out some stew to eat um, and some bread. And there's a local guy with a lute. Two of his strings are definitely out of key, but he's trying. And it's a. You guys don't spend a ton of time out at taverns that much, but it's a. it's a great. Well, I don't. I don't know. Maybe you do, but it's a pretty good, um, pretty good evening in. And I'm, I'm feeling a little paranoid about the meat in this too. I'm sorry. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> dip the um, the remaining pendant, the pendant, kind of like you steep in a tea bag. <laughs> I listen for a We can always clean it out with water later. <laughs> she took the full. Well, no, the one that. You guys have leftovers, the one that you popped out, so okay. just so so that's stated. Mm-hmm. You don't hear any sizzling. Okay, okay. I'm gonna assume it was all from the same pot, so. Here's open. You're so paranoid. Well, I don't know if it can affect Minotaur, but I'm pretty sure it can affect humans, so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it doesn't affect Dragonborn, so I think I'm good. I mean, she did say the more magical a creature is, the less likely it is to affect them. This is true. I'm pretty magical. <laughs> Okay. All right. So you guys, uh, anyone go back for seconds, or no, just enjoy your stew and your bread and your meat and I don't really have much money, so and, and the guilt gnawing at me. <laughs> you all go to bed. You all wake up. Um, so I do need everyone to roll me a Constitution saving throw. Oh, oh. nice, great. Um, eight. I believe I died in my sleep. <laughs> We got a two. There you go. Uh, seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Twenty. Yeah. Twenty. Use it. Could we? If we already. Well, then you could. Well, um, yeah. I could. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Going without us. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Well, this is my backstory, so I am kind of essential to the plot. So I'll use my um, my free nat 20 to um, save myself from whatever it is. All right. 
So right before you guys go to bed, you notice some weird thing. As you and Miriam are getting ready to, um, to turn the lanterns off and extinguish the, the candles, she accidentally brushes one of the candles and it falls off of the table. But it ran, lands, per, like it tumbles off the table and lands perfectly upright. Okay, that's some good luck. At basically the same time, there's a crash from the next room over and a bird has just smashed through the window of your room. That's some bad luck. Mm. <laughs> it, it doesn't seem hurt and it quickly makes its way back outside, but you guys have a broken window. Yeah, I'll cool the room off. <laughs> One of the, the the innkeeper comes up to see what happened. And since the glass is all on the inside, there are a few feathers that maybe fell out of the, the bird, but so he doesn't blame you guys. He's not going to charge you guys anything, but uh, he helps you guys clean it up enough. And he basically closes the shutters and locks them shut. So it's actually going to get really warm in here. No. Uh, or <laughs> since the shutters are closed. Yeah, so that happens. Yeah, lovely. The, uh, the next morning, you all wake up. They serve you um, some... There's some eggs that they... Oh, they did a giant scrambled pot of eggs. Enough for everyone. And some toast and preserves on top of that. No meat. In case you're worried. <laughs> these eggs go down. Yes, this is pre Quail. <laughs> That's a lot of quail eggs. Yes. <laughs> so probably chickens. <laughs> and you, uh, you make it out to you make it outside. Uh, Miriam's gonna go talk to the mayor. The last few people are gonna have to go to him to get the uh, the rest of the pendants. While you guys, she would like one of you to go with her. Uh, she's going outside. She's going to the mayor's um, house, um, and the other two can go to the the butcher, and tell him about all of that. She has no preference okay. for who goes with her. I'll offer to go with. So the two of you go off and you talk to the mayor, but you're not a main character, so we don't know anything oh. of that conversation. Uh, so, Daria and Barnabas are headed to the butcher's shop again. It's open. He's in there working on... He's currently skinning some smaller game, like a couple rabbits. Decent-sized rabbits. And um, I greet him again, and I fill him in with what happened, you know, in regards to yesterday. We would really appreciate it, sir, before, you know, you list any meat to sell. You so, so you think the meat that I'm getting are actually people? No, we think that the meat that you're getting is tainted by a curse that can affect people. How's that? Hmm. It's like the meat itself is the vessel for the curse, and eating it is the catalyst which has someone get affected by the curse. So the meat's cursed, and if you eat the cursed meat, you get cursed. Yep. Is the working theory so, so far. And you just want me to touch it with some pendant, and, and it'll so. not be cursed anymore? Uh, out of character, will that like stop the curse, or will it just like tell whether or not the meat is cursed? It will just tell. Yeah. Okay. No, if, if there's any reaction from the silver, you cannot sell that meat. What am I, what am I going to do with the meat, then? Preferably uh, burn it, or just put it... Yeah. Well, you're going to... That's going to cost me a lot of business. And it's going to save a lot of people. Can I sell it to people who are already cursed? Uh, can I? can't like compound a curse can you necklace, I suppose, why not? as long as you're sure that you know they won't some... feed it to anyone who's not cursed as long as they got some bling like tell you have to be like super transparent about this and say like no one else who like non-cursed people can I eat this or they will be cursed mm. alright I'll, I'll, I'll figure something out and don't price gouge the cursed people come on very good stuff might drop that price so that I can actually sell the stuff. I can imagine like them like I can imagine this person like um, selling this as like special like curse only meat and kind of like just I'm just uh, putting it out there before he has any ideas. So. All right. 
He'll take the pendant and start wandering around his shop, mm-hmm. poking various meat with it. There's about a fifth of the meat in his shop that seems to be effective. Out of curiosity, does it seem to be mostly like game that's been hunted or stuff that's raised at a farm? Mostly game that has been hunted. So stuff from like out in the forest. A lot of people there, they they might not go to the butcher anyway. They might just hunt their own food. So, so we, we might to, want to put a warning. Yeah, like, we have to make sure that everyone in town knows to check the meat. Miriam was going to tell the mayor about this. Okay. In case the butcher did nothing about it, at least someone else knew. You guys had talked about that last night. Uh, he gets his boy to come up and start carrying the cursed meat into the back room. I mean, at the very least, my son's going to eat well. <laughs> Thank you all. Of course. Go away before you tell me I can't sell anything. <laughs> he does not laugh. No. <laughs> we should go. So, I um, guess we go meet up with Miriam mm-hmm. and Phineas. The innkeeper and them have pulled the wagon out. Uh, the horses have been prepared and everything uh, and look well rested. And you guys leave. A good farewell from the townsfolk. Most of the people there to see you off, you notice either they've got like the silver necklace around their neck or you can actually see the pendant on them. There's a few people not with that, or at least not in a way that's visible, but it seems mostly the people who you guys have helped. And you guys start your way back to Kingsland. I'm just just expecting, like, I don't know where I roll for initiative. I'm just <laughs> sitting on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Um, that is the end of your prologue. The nice little adventure. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, feel, I feel good for all the people. <laughs> Hooray! Hooray! I hope you enjoyed that bonus episode and Barnabas's Session Zero. We'll be back next week with the main campaign, and then the week after that, we should have Willow's Session Zero for you guys. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Legends of Loam. You can email us at TheLegendsOfLoam at gmail.com, or you can find all those links and more at TheLegendsOfLoam.com. And hey, thank you for listening.